So I don't know what your experience is, but dare I say it's starting to feel like normal? Or whatever normal is, what I mean to say is it's, it's kind of starting to feel like pre-COVID. Uh, we had an experience as a family where we went to uh, North Avenue Beach. I don't know if you've heard of it, downtown Chicago. And we were astounded how it seemed everyone is out, not only at North Avenue Beach, but also at Navy Pier. It, it seemed for once that this was a pre-COVID era. And as things get back, again, I'm using the word normal, my question is, what are we going to retain from our COVID experience? What's going to carry over and what comes to your mind? Well, I think, uh, for one, work has changed, and now more and more people are going to be uh, working from home and seeking jobs that allow that capability. I I think regardless of kids in the classroom, we're still going to have classes on Zoom. We're we're not going to get away from that. Um, And and we're going to see continual change go on. But as I'm being refined, and what I carry over from COVID is the way I interact with sports. Where are my sports fans? Anyone? And, and I love sports. In, in fact, before COVID, I would watch a lot of Cubs games, a lot of things. And now Cubs are back, Sox are back, NBA Finals. Anyone excited about Olympics? Uh, here we go. But I realized how much emotion and time I was investing pre-COVID. And I got to tell you, I am reluctant to get back in to giving that time and emotion. And so I've been refined, and here's my new interaction when it comes to the world of sports. What I do is when a game is playing, I wait for it to end, and then I just look at the final score, and this is for my Sox fans. And that way, when I look at the end, I can know whether I want to go back and invest my time and emotion. I can go back, and and I don't have to wonder, are they ever going to get a hit? I don't have to wonder, are they going to be outscored by 10, like the 10-run rule? How many times is it going to happen for the Cubs? I'm sorry, it's been a bad year. <laughs> I don't have to do that when I start with the end. Then I can go back and be like, okay, it's, it's going to be all right. I, I know it's coming. Bring this up because have you ever wanted to do that with life? Wouldn't it be great if you could do that with, like, buying and selling a house? If you could skip ahead, like, 15, 30 years... And, and based on what you were planning on doing, see if that was the right move. Once you love to do that with a job, before you enter in and spend all that time and sacrifice the emotion and the education to get there, once you kind of like to be on your retirement day, see all that happened and say, well, uh, yeah. this is a touchy one. Would you like to do it with relationships? <laughs> that, that friendship? That coworker, maybe that, that love interest. Wouldn't it be nice if you could kind of go forward a little bit and see where it is all ending up and, and then enter in if you knew what you knew before? Now, obviously we can't do that. But we've come to consider a God who can do something that we can't do. We've come in these moments to stand in wonder and awe of God. And I want to remind you, uh, if you're new to church, if you're, again, coming along, uh, there is a true treasure in this world. And the truest treasure isn't a team, and it isn't Disney World, and it's not your house. The truest treasure you can ever find is a Savior, Jesus. 
And we can forever stand in wonder and awe of God because he will continue to astound us. And one of the things we know about God is he sees the whole picture. He can do what we cannot do. He can see the end and everything coming in a way that he's not surprised. In, in fact, it's kind of like watching a parade. I don't know if you've been to a parade. And um, all we can do is watch one thing go by at a time. We see one band at a time and then a float and then we see maybe the fire trucks. We don't know what's coming at the very end. We don't have that perspective. But where is God? God sees the parade from beginning to end, and it means he's never surprised. This year, God wasn't in heaven and like, the pandemic, I didn't see that coming. Right? He didn't do that with the election year. I did not know that that would go down. He's seen the whole thing. And because of that, you and I who believe in the Lord and submit to his authority can have confidence no matter what goes on. See, Daniel spoke about this. That's the book that we're in, and, and I love this perspective about God. Daniel said he changes times and seasons. Look at this. He deposes kings and he raises others up, and you're going to see that today like none other. His control in world history. I was reading another book. If you want to supplement this series with a great book, there's one called Thriving in Babylon by Larry Osborne. And a quote that stuck with me from this book is, God is in control of who is in control. And so if you're taking notes, this is our first takeaway as we get going. Because of the Lord's control, you can stand in confidence if you're in the Lord. And it's interesting when it comes to our idea of what's coming next in the end. Do you know if you're in Christ, he has actually shared with you the end. You might not see the whole parade, but you know what comes at the end, you know? In scriptures, he's revealed the end of the world is not about Godzilla coming out of the waters. It's not about a meteoroid, you know, like Armageddon. No, in the end, he has revealed, and you might know it. He said, watch out for the trumpet sound and the return of Jesus Christ, and every eye will see him. You will not miss the return of Jesus. He shared with you your end, my end. And it's not death. It's a resurrection to the life that is truly life. And throughout Scripture, God reminds us to live with the end in mind. To live looking at the scoreboard and knowing that you and I win. And from that, live the rest of your life. With that perspective. In fact, Paul wrote about this in his counsel to the Romans. Uh, he wrote this. He said, for your sake we are faced death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And, and I just love this juxtaposition of how bad it is right now. <laughs> because some, some, some of us, right now, are along the parade route. Here's what life is like. The fire truck is coming, and they're blowing the horn. And that means, you know, sometimes in life, all you have to do is endure. You ever been in that moment, that season, where all you can do is close your ears and be like, I hope it stops. Please stop. My eardrums, they hurt, Right? If that's your position in the parade route of life right now, the fire trucks go by. And you're still going to be a conqueror. 
we win in the end. And so what we want to talk about is how we can stand confident in the Lord at all times, regardless of where we are. And what we're going to learn from is Daniel, and, and Daniel has just an incredible perspective. Daniel has incredible confidence in the Lord and what the Lord can do, and I want to set up the story today. Um, so what we learned last week is that Daniel went to a godless culture, the culture of Babylon, um, a godless king, Nebuchadnezzar. And where we find him is Nebuchadnezzar had just had a dream, and he's disturbed by it. So disturbed that unless he gets an answer, not only of what the dream means, but also someone has to guess what the dream was, if he doesn't get that answer, he's going to kill all his wise people. And that's a problem for Daniel because he's one of the wise people. And Daniel is now in the position where he has to read someone else's dream that he hadn't heard of and also know the interpretation. Now, have you ever talked about crazy dreams with like a spouse or a friend the next day? And then like wondered like, what did you eat? What were you worried about, right? You know, all of that kind of stuff. It's one thing to have the crazy, you know, dream and, and talk about it. It's another thing to like try to guess. Hey, let me guess what you dreamed about last night. But this is Daniel, and if he doesn't get it right, he will die. But Daniel stands in confidence because of what the Lord can do. And now I invite you also to stand as we hear of this account, as we look at Daniel chapter 2 um, and get perspective. So it said, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to again put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke with him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel about the dream and knowing its interpretation. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends may not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells within him. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom, and you have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel wanted the revelation was given by God. And can you just say out louder to someone next to you, have peace, God's got a plan. Have peace, God's got a plan. Please be seated. read the book 1984? Referenced it before. Um, 1984 was one man's prophecy of what might happen um, in the government about Big Brother. And, and I, I just wonder, is Amazon Alexa the fulfillment of 1984? If you have one of those devices, did you have this feeling that you were actually bugging your own house like I did? Uh, it's interesting, the society we live in, um, I don't know if you've heard of DuckDuckGo. 
Um, it's this new search engine that promises they are not tracking you. They are not collecting all of your personal data. They are not keeping your search forever like another company, Google, right? Um, and it's amazing that someone had insight that people would be doing this, that people would be about this, that George Orwell in 1949 would be telling us what life is like in 2021, uh, 70 years later. Now, I want to ask you, would you like to have that same kind of prophetic insight? Would you like to know what's going to happen in the next 70 years? And if so, what would you do with it? Let me up the ante. Would you like to know what's going to happen in the next millennium, the next 1,000 years, that God would reveal to you all of what's going to happen in world government? Maybe you could write a book called 3021. Who knows? What about this? Is there any other mystery of life you might like to know? Maybe uh, if the kids get married and who they marry. Will you have grandkids? Uh, maybe about retirement. Will you retire? Uh, maybe about the very end. How and when do you die? W would you like these mysteries? I bring this up because what we have in a lesson is an incredible mystery revealed what Daniel has is not insight of the next 70 years, what's going to happen in the government. He has a vision that leads to the next 1,000 years of world power. Let me explain to you what he saw. As he goes before King Nebuchadnezzar and explains the dream, this is what the dream was. It says, Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was pure gold. Its chest, arms of silver. Its belly and thighs, bronze. Its legs of iron. Its feet, partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Now, what is this statue all about? Daniel's able to see the world powers for the next 1,000 years. Let me show you a picture. He's in 600 B.C. when the empire of the day was Babylon, and maybe you've heard of Babylon before. And then he talks about the next kingdom of silver, which we know as the Medo-Persian kingdom, if you've heard of the Persian kingdom. And then he talks about the bronze, which is the Greek empire, and maybe you've heard of Alexander the Great. And then he talks about iron and clay, which is the Roman Empire and the Caesars that would come. He sees all of this from about 600 B.C. where he is to the fall of Rome, 400 A.D. It's incredible what God reveals. God was not surprised. That last bit, that rock not formed by human hands but formed by God, that was actually talking about the kingdom um, of God, the holy Christian church. That when all the other world players fade, the Christian church would still be here. And God has kept that promise. So I ask you again, would you like that kind of vision? A mystery revealed of the next 1,000 years of what's going to happen in your life. Well, the reality is, I don't know if God's going to give you that. But do you know you have something better? And you might not always look at it this way. That's okay. But do you know that he has given you insight to the greatest mystery of the world? 
He has given you and I insight on how sinners can find salvation with the holy God. The greatest mystery that the world was waiting for is how God was going to save the world. And if you know the message of Jesus, he's let you in on something incredible. You know, Paul talked about the message of Jesus in this way. He said, undeniably, there's a great mystery of godliness. And then he describes it about Jesus, that he was revealed in the flesh, was justified in the spirit, was seen by messengers, was preached among the nations, was believed on the world, and taken up into glory. If you know that Jesus came at Christmas to live in your place, if you know that he was perfect in your place so that through faith you're robed in righteousness, if you know the cross of Jesus covers every one of your sins, if you know his resurrection signals victory, you have knowledge of a mystery that so many are waiting for and longing for. You've been let in. In fact, a, a man named Peter said, you Christians who know how all the prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus, do you know even angels long to look into these things? They, they would have loved, they'd be jealous to know how it all connects with our Savior God. And so if you're taking notes, I think we can stand in confidence because to each one of us, the greatest mystery has been revealed that we can be forgiven and loved. But can I warn you as your pastor? Ready for my warning on this? We're more interested in other things. We're more interested about all the details of end times. We're sometimes more interested in who's going to win the World Series. We're sometimes way more interested in what's going to happen with my kid. We're sometimes more, God, if you could just reveal what happens in our country. We underappreciate the fact that God has revealed the greatest mystery to us, and we long for him to show up as this uh, kind of vision teller for the lesser things, the things that will not matter for all eternity, the things that he's already working on but doesn't promise to let you see along the parade route of life. According to our sinful nature, and it's in mine too, we undervalue the gospel. You know what wears on my heart is sometimes as pastor, when I share what Jesus has done and what he means, and the eyes roll back in the head, and the face is, Pastor, I've heard this before. When are you going to tell me something I don't know? Um, can we move on now? Are you, are you done with the like, Jesus part now? Because I'd really like to know what to do with my life. Your life isn't as important as the Jesus part. The Jesus part is why you have life. That you might know you're saved and forgiven. That you might know there is a life that is truly life, and it's not here. And so what should hearing the gospel truly be like? I got an analogy. I don't know how many of you are beach people, but... Whenever you get a, a sunset over the beach, um, that's pretty incredible. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever been to Hawaii. Raise your hands for Hawaii. And um, I was uh, seeing some pictures from family members in Maui. 
And, um, and here it was a picture of a sunset, just incredible. And, and, and I got to imagine that our family who's in Maui right now seeing this is like, oh my goodness, this is like the best thing I've ever seen, right? But if you live in Hawaii, should you ever think it's less than? If you live there, should you ever be like, that isn't awesome? No, it, it should be beautiful every time. It should be like a starlit sky. It should be like hearing the words, I love you, from that special person. It should be like going to a game and seeing your favorite player hit a grand slam. That's what hearing the gospel should be like if we see it through the eyes of faith, that you would know you're forgiven, that you would know God is working for you, that you would know you overcome and win in the end if we see it from the Spirit's lens. There's nothing more beautiful not what happens in this country or your life, that you would know him. It is the greatest mystery revealed. And we have it. And we're not going to get away from it. And on Vision Sunday, one of my visions is that this is a place that's going to continue to proclaim it for the beauty that it is, so that people who come here will see that beautiful sunset every time that they come. And Daniel had confidence in the gospel. Daniel had confidence that he wins in the end. And from that confidence, he proceeds in so many different directions that we learn from. And as we learn from Daniel today also, I wanted to know how many of you struggle when you're not in control. You don't have to raise your hands, don't poke your neighbor. Um, how many of you live life this way, that you need both hands on the steering wheel, you can't even take one of them off because if you do, something's going to go haywire. And so you need to have complete control at all times, and if not, you live in fear. Now, if that's you, by the way, that's one way to do life. I think it's a ditch on one side. This was not an easy year for you. If you try to do life like that this year, uh, it didn't go well, <laughs> Right? What's interesting is that we could overreact to what happened this year and we could believe in what, what's called fatalism. And fatalism is this idea that it doesn't matter what we do because God's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway. We have a God and Lord, he does whatever pleases him. And so the overreaction, the ditch on the other side, is not have any hands on the wheel, completely let go and say with Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. And that wouldn't be wise either. It's a ditch on the other end to to think that what we do and what we're about doesn't matter. We can learn about control from Daniel. What's interesting is he's in a culture where many things are outside of his control. Uh, a lot of things going on that he doesn't want but is going on. And, and even when this circumstance happens, when the king has the dream and says, I'm going to kill the wise men, he could have just said, okay, God, you know what? Whatever you want to do, you're in control. Nothing I can do. Seems like a done deal. Not what he did. So he hears of what's going on, and then he interacts. And he interacts in such a beautiful way we're going to learn from. So when he heard of it, he urged his friends to plead for, can you say that word, plead for mercy, from the God of heaven concerning the mystery. And, and, and we know what happened, that God actually intervened and gave him one of the incredible revelations of all time. And as we learn from this account, I, I want to remind you, yes, you're not in control. But yes, it still matters what you do. 
it still matters that, that you still try to drive in this game of life with the Lord. It still matters that you seek the Lord about all things. It still matters that you pray to God. It still matters what you do and what you don't do in the relationships around you. It still matters what we do as a church. It still matters what I do as a pastor. It still matters how we interact, even though God is in control. What you do the rest of the day will matter. But what I loved was mercy. See, Daniel, he could have been a spoiled brat as he approached God. You ever been a brat to God? God, I can't believe this is happening and you couldn't. Why? And you led me all the points to blah, 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 blah. And Daniel could have done that. God, you took me all the way out of Israel to here, got me in this position just so I could die at this point when he had a hissy fit over a dream. God, I have no idea what you're doing. He didn't do it. He's telling his friends, let's just ask for mercy. And how Daniel was able to have humility is because if he talked about mercy, what Daniel knows and what we should be real with, which keeps us humble, is what we truly deserve. And this is the probably harshest word you're going to hear in the church. But what do you actually deserve as a sinner? No good thing. Let me go further. The wrath and punishment of God. And so if you're not getting that now, guess what you're getting? Mercy. Mercy is getting better than we deserve. And we have a God of mercy. And as we learn from Daniel... Uh, here's what we do. We stand in confidence when we seek the Lord with humility. See, we can approach the Lord with anything. And, and yes, we can share our frustration. And yes, we can share that this is too much for me. But man, let's make room for mercy. Let, let's pray and say, God, this is what I think should happen, but I know you're in control. God, this is my plan, but if you got a better plan, God, this is what I like, but, but I know you're still good and, and you're not treating me as I deserve. No, I have breath in my lungs and I have goodness around me. Thank you for your mercy. Let's approach with humility. Understanding that true wisdom is the fear of the Lord because he is the ultimate authority of our lives. But as we approach the Lord, as we project for the future, as we think about life and the next season, have you ever thought too small? Have you ever planned too little because you didn't know if it was going to work out? You, you thought maybe you're going to fail. Maybe you didn't plan big because then if you didn't plan big, no one could come in and say, I told you so. Um, have you ever been there? I think there are a lot of people who are wondering, what's going to happen in this next season of life? What's going to open up? And I think one of the errors is when we, when we dream too small. When we think too small. You know, the founder of Google, um, Eric Schmidt, he said this, that 99% of people on the planet are work, not working on something that is the ability to change the world. What was he trying to say? He was trying to say many people are not dreaming big enough. I learned from another pastor, Craig Groeschel, and 
He leads something called the Global Leadership Summit. One time, a mentor of him, uh, he, he had this comment to share. He said that the problem with young leaders, let me get it up here, is that you all dream too small. And what I love about our lesson when it comes to dreaming is that Daniel didn't have a dreaming problem. What he asked God to do, there is no track record for. Before this time, he might have heard of Joseph who was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, but we don't have another account of where I can read the mind of someone else and what dream they had. There's nothing that says this is even possible for God to do, but he still holds out hope in God. And he says, God, I might not be able to do it, but I I know you can do it. You know, learning from Daniel, today is Amazing Love's Vision Sunday. And something I love about our leaders and about our congregation is this year, we did not dream too small. (laughs) We're dreaming big. You may know that we called a second pastor as an executive pastor because we want to expand and refine and we want to serve God's people even better and we want to reach even more loss for the glory of God and this represents big dreaming in a large degree. In fact, we invite you to hear more about that after the service. We're going to have an open forum and, and hear of the plans for the future. It's, it's incredible. But we can have confidence because we have a big God. I wonder where in your personal life is God inviting you to dream a little bit bigger? Yes, with humility. Yes, understanding the Lord is in heaven, he does what pleases him. But where is he inviting you to dream a little bit bigger about what could happen in your life? And you know, one of the reasons that I think he might grant success to it is when we have the proper motivation. Before we get into that, our next takeaway is this. We can stand in confidence because our confidence is in the Lord. And to close and talk about that motivation, Daniel finally had that moment where he has the answer and he gets to go before the king, where he has the answer and he gets to be the savior of the day. He gets to be the hero. And he has such a beautiful confession as he approaches the king. When he knows the answer, he could have been to the king and said, you know what, I am the man. I probably am the wisest of all your wise. I'm it. I'm brilliant. I'm brave. I'm courageous. I'm here. And I'm going to save the day. Not what he said. When he went to the king, he had such a beautiful confession. Look at it. So it said, no wise man, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he asked about. Basically, what you ask, no human can do, and that includes me. I'm not better, right? No one could do it. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. What was Daniel about? He was about the glory of God. Daniel knew if the king killed him, he'd go to heaven. But he had a confession to make. And he had time still to give, to give God 
the ultimate glory. Do you know why I think God might want to grant success? And I'm not saying he's going to bless every plan that's in your head, but he might want to grant success if at the end of it you were about his glory. If at the end of the move of a church, it wasn't about any pastor, any congregation. It was about sharing with the community, there is a God who is a wonder. Who, if you see him, will always knock your socks off. Why might he bless that move? Getting into that college, going to that job, being in that relationship. Because if at the end of it, you want to give God a greater glory, why wouldn't he be for that? regardless of any of the outcomes, regardless of the success he does or doesn't grant. This is what I believe, that we stand in confidence when we enter a matter for the glory of God. Because then, it's not personal if we fail. Ah, God didn't want it, all right. It's then that we also appropriate the glory and say, you know why this happened? Because there's a God in heaven. You know, as Christians, I hope we continue to stand more and more in confidence. Because we've had the greatest mystery revealed, we know how we win in the end. But as we have a life to live, may you dream big, and may your dreams be about the glory of God. Amen.